Well, hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. I'm Jeff Bruce, one of the pastors here. I'm joined by my fellow pastor. Not my fellow father, just my father. <laughs> and that's John Bruce. Dad, how are you today? Oh, well, you are a fellow father. In one sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing, Dad? I'm doing well. Well, excited. We should probably warn everybody we're doing this podcast without masks. So by listening to it, they're taking their lives in their hands. Unlike other podcasts. <laughs> yes. Where we've been masked. <laughs> right. Yes. Cool. Well, today we're going to continue our series on the habits of healthy community. The habits of healthy community. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are part of God's new community. And this is true whether you realize it or not. When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, at that moment you were adopted into the family of the Father, you became a member of the body of Christ. You were placed as a living stone in the temple of the Holy Spirit. So salvation, your individual salvation, brought you into community. Salvation, by its very nature, is a community-creating event. That's why Tim Chester and Steve Timmis say in their book, Total Church, we are not saved individually and then choose to join the church as if it were some club or support group. Christ died for his people. And we are saved when, by faith, we become part of the people for whom Christ died. What that means for you, Christian, is that the church is not something that exists outside of you. It's something that you already exist within. And so the question you need to ask yourself is not, will I join a church? But will I glorify God by loving the church, the family I've already been placed in? Will I do that, or will I dishonor him by neglecting the care of my spiritual family? So, God saves us to be a people whose shared life showcases his redemptive and reconciling power to the universe, and that means there is much at stake in our relationships with each other. It's critical that we get these relationships right. So, how do we cultivate healthy community? Well, that's what we're talking about over the next few weeks. Romans 12 gives us a great blueprint for healthy community. And we're going to spend the next few episodes working slowly through that passage. So, Dad, so far, we've looked at, really, the mindset we need to have in order to cultivate healthy community. Paul says that, that when our minds are transformed by the gospel, we see our need for others, and we see others' need for us. And, and that's the foundation of healthy community, that we have minds shaped by the gospel, we change, we repent of our individualism, our isolation, our independence, and for Christ's sake, we embrace our need for each other. That's the foundation, is that mind shift. But now Paul gets practical and shows us the practices of healthy community, and the first practice we see is pursuing authentic love. Pursuing authentic love. Paul says it this way in Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine. Or let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Dad, thoughts on what it means to pursue authentic love? Well, I think hypocrisy is, is playing a role. It's, it's pretending to be someone you're not. And so Paul literally says love without hypocrisy and so I think what he's saying there is love without pre pretense. Hmm. That is, you're not worrying about the impression you make or what others think. 
because if it's about you, you're not loving others. You're just loving yourself. Jesus, of course, is a great example, full of grace and truth. Um, people who are around Jesus never wondered what he was thinking. Um, he was always very open with them. He was honest in his appreciation. He was honest in his praise. He was also honest in his corrections. Hypocrisy is playing a role. It's uh, trying to impress people or uh, not being your authentic self. And hypocrisy is always the death of real community. And I think that really comes out in Acts 5 when, the, when Ananias and Sapphira pretend to uh, give more than they're actually giving, and they die. And I think that that is a, an object lesson that God means for the whole church, that the thing that will kill the church is hypocrisy, which has certainly uh, been the truth for many. So, uh, and, and so I, a lot of us have been in parts of, of fellowships where it, it's fake. I mean, people will be nice to your face, but they'll attack you behind your back, and it's just those kind of things just kill fellowship. And so I think that's why the, this is the first command, and actually how, how to experience authentic community. You've got to focus on really loving from the heart and not just pretending to love. It's interesting that as soon as Paul uses the word love, he feels the need to define it more closely. Yeah. yeah. And love is so ill-defined in our culture. You know, you can love your wife, you can love tacos, you can love a sports team, and we have the same word for, for each. And yet we all know we're talking about radically different things. And, and just as same in the first century, uh, it's not enough to just say, well, love each other. The, the definition of love needs to be filled out. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that, that strikes me about, about this. Yeah, th those words, let love be without hypocrisy or, or genuine love, there's no ver uh, verb in Greek there. It's interesting. It's an implied imperative, mm. but, but it's almost as if love without hypocrisy, that, that term is serving as a heading for the entire section. Huh, that's good. That, that's good. that here, here's the headline of healthy community is genuine love, love without hypocrisy, sincere love, and now I'm going to fill out the details of what this looks like. Um, so I guess my question then is, that sounds great. How does love become hypocritical, or how does love become not genuine in the body of Christ, I guess? How, how does that play out? Most of us aren't going to pull an Ananias and Sapphira and declare to the church how generous we are when we're not really generous. Um, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Um, maybe when God strikes some people dead in church, we'll know that happened. But uh, yeah, I, I, what do you think that looks like? I, th I think in our culture that we have to, to uh, have a biblical definition of authentic rather than a cultural definition of authentic. Yes. Um, because our culture is really big on being true to yourself, on, on being real. But what most people mean when they talk about being real is being real about their immediate feelings, uh, regardless of how other people are affected. I mean, every time I hear somebody say, I'm just being real, it's because they're trying to excuse their rudeness um, <laughs> and by calling it honesty. And, and so that brand of authenticity, of, of, of just kind of emotional, a lack of emotional control and, and saying whatever comes to mind doesn't build community. It, it destroys it. And so what's the difference between authentic love 
as the Bible teaches it, and what our culture labels authenticity. I think that's the question I was thinking about. And that's why Paul adds, abhor what is evil and, and cleave to what is good. Authentic love, biblically, is moral love. There, mm-hmm. are, there are clear boundaries between good and evil, between right and wrong. I won't say this or do this because Jesus wouldn't say this or do this. I will say this or do this because this is what Jesus does. So, so for me, real authenticity is not being true to my immediate feelings, but is being true to my values and convictions. That's a really good distinction. I think it's really important in our age uh, because that word authenticity has been co-opted yeah. to mean something. When the Bible talks about sincerity or genuineness here, um, there is a lens through which we will read that in our expressive individualistic culture and say, that means that I need to love people in a way that resonates with my deepest desires or something like that. Yeah. And if I don't feel it completely, then I shouldn't do it because I'm not being true to myself. Exactly. And I'm sure Paul would just look flummoxed and exasperated if someone said that, because the point of genuine love, he's talking about the nature of the love itself, not about your internal feelings. That's the point. He's talking about the quality of the actions. Yeah. Right, not um, how you uh, your immediate disposition or feeling in any given moment. It's it's when you combine it with abhorring evil, clinging to what's good. Love is sacrificially willing the good of the other through what you say and do. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, it's saying that. What Christ says is good for this person, because of my conviction, I'm going to speak and act in a way, even at great sacrifice, that is towards that end. Um, Which, if you notice, that had nothing to do with how I feel at any given moment. Yeah. It's that, no, I know that's what I'm going to do. So even if I don't feel like it, the quality of my actions, the quality of what I do will display a genuine love. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, I I think that that authentic love is, is not the uncontrolled expression of my immediate feelings, no matter who gets hurt. And it's not wearing a happy face uh, to hide what's going, really going on inside me. Uh, and it's not trying to keep everybody happy. Right. But what it is, is responding to the God who sees all and who knows my heart and is as concerned about my heart as he is about my actions and then acting according to that, and then being honest about what I truly believe, regardless of whether people agree with me or not, right. and living consistently with that. So it's being openly affectionate, um, it's being compassionate, and also encouraging others to be completely honest as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's good to make a distinction there. This is authentic love, what it is, what it's not. Um, and so... How does love get corrupted, right, or become hypocritical in our modern context, right? That's the question I want to go back to. Yeah. Is what does that, what does it look like for communities um, to only love superficially um, rather than deeply? Yeah, I I guess I I go back to the abhor what is evil, cling to what is good as kind of the benchmark. Right. Um, When my love is selfish. Mm-hmm. When it's about me, when it's about protecting myself or exalting myself 
are impressing people right. or avoiding discomfort or anything like that. It's not authentic love. Right. Because I'm responding to my flesh. I'm responding to my selfishness. I am not having clearly a clear line mm -hmm. between what is good and, and what is evil. Yeah. Um, the question I would ask is, is why is authentic love uh, essential for community? Yeah, have you thought about that at all? Why is, yeah, this kind of genuine love authentic? I, yeah, it's, it's hard to even define community apart from this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as the glue that holds everything together. Um, so, yeah, it's tough for me to even, <laughs> it assumes authentic love in a sense. Uh, that You know, I think of First Peter 4, where is it that, you know, above all, love one another fervently for love covers a multitude of, of sins. Yeah. Um, if at the foundation of my thinking, I don't have in place this idea that God has put us together and I am radically for you yeah, and for your good, yeah, for Christ's sake, and because Christ sacrificed for me, I will sacrifice for you. If that conviction, not feeling, but conviction isn't there, sin will inevitably destroy community. Yeah, exactly. Because sin is a fundamentally relational thing. Yeah. Relational with God and then relational, you know, in the way we interact with each other. And unless I have a foundation for why I'm going to keep loving you and the stick to of love-ness of love, the, the minute things get hard, I kind of fall out of love with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, gosh, I just don't like these people very much. Yeah. And, and so then it disintegrates, and it's easy at that point to withdraw from relationships in the church, say, I'm not going to pursue deep, intimate, family, familial relationships, family relationships. I'm just going to use the church as a provider of religious goods and services. Yeah. And so there are nice products I get from the church, nice programs, but the people of the church are not really my interest because they're just messy and difficult. Yeah. And and this never works out. We yeah. try to pursue relationships. Yeah. So I, I yeah, that's a long-winded answer, but that's good. I, I think too is that sin is fueled by lies. It's it's why it's called the lust of deceit. Mm -hmm. And why Jesus said, You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And and so an environment of deception can never be a healthy environment. Yeah. So, you know, I've been in churches where there is so much that's hidden and so many lies, you, you, you become disoriented. You, you do not know what's real. You don't know if you're really seeing reality. Yeah, every statement is so calculated. Yeah, exactly. And, and so my natural impulse was to draw back into my shell because I couldn't really count on anyone. I didn't really know who was for me and who wasn't for me and, and who was on my side and who wasn't and what were they thinking. I think that people can only, community can only thrive uh, in an environment of kindness and truth, the, the two of them, uh, because it's only in that environment where we drop our defenses and can face the truth about ourselves and each other. And so I think truth is really essential for authentic community, and trust can only be built where truth is valued. Right. Um, and so... Yeah, and, and there's two meanings to truth there. There's first the truth of the gospel. Right. That we're going to um, 
confess the same truth, which leads to the hopefully the same convictions about loving each other, which then creates a culture of 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 loving truth and truthful love. So one is the the objective side of truth, of just we're gonna we're gonna base our community on the same foundational capital T truth. Yeah. But then there's the personal side of truth, which is just honesty. Yeah. That that I'm gonna be honest. That doesn't mean rude, but but that means that if I disagree with you, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm frustrated with you, I'm gonna be honest. If um you know there's a sin I need to confess, I'm gonna be honest. Um, yeah. Because I think um if you don't have that kind of honesty, right, of just being truthful with each other, um, then it's impossible to have true community. I think of 1 John, where it says that if we confess our sins, we have fellowship not just with God, but it says with one another yeah. as well, as we walk in the light as He is in the light. And so walking in the light, being honest about our failures, our struggles, our sins, um, and our frustrations with each other. Yeah. I think is just, if you don't have that, you never know who the other person really is. Yeah. The masks have not come off yet. Yeah. And I think the sign of healthy community is this. I think there's a honeymoon stage for any sort of, uh, of community, even Christian community, where we're all polite to each other, we're all nice, we're all trying to feel each other out, we're kind of in the dating phase of the Christian community, but a conflict's going to happen. Someone bails on a commitment. Someone just says something that's really offensive and stupid. And that moment where the masks come off and how you deal with that is the sign of whether you have a genuine love community or not. Yeah. Because a lot of people either ignore it and don't deal with the conflict. They blow up in the face of the conflict. Or they just leave and go find other people because they go, oh, these aren't my people. I don't connect with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. And, and so first, I think that's why Paul contrast love with hypocrisy hmm. because hypocrisy deception pretense is the great enemy of true community yeah we can't have true community without being an environment of, of true kindness and truth yeah uh, i think it's really important so the question is 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 uh how do we what are some practical things that we can we can do to love without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil and cleave to what is good. Yeah. I'm guessing that wasn't a rhetorical question by the way you asked that and then paused. But I, I would say um, the way we make commitments in the body of Christ is really important. And so letting your yes be yes and your no be no is an indispensable part of loving without hypocrisy. Yeah. So if you're in a group and the group meets at a certain time, um, you should not join that group unless you are going to be committed to it. And commitment means it's on my schedule. Yeah. I just blocked out that time. Just like my devotional time, I blocked it out in my schedule. It is not the thing. And I think one of the great frustrations for group leaders is the and this is this is the insincerity part is that they will have people in their group who talk about how much they love the community and how great the community is and how much they need it but they'll bail on it and they'll miss and they'll miss and they'll miss and yet when you talk to them they won't say yeah you know what i've been inconsistent and haven't been committed to this and i don't really know if this is my top priority right now 
Instead, they'll be like, no, I know I need it. Oh, I know it's so good. I know it. And there's just a real double-facedness about that that really is corrosive for a community. Basically, I know I need this. I know this is important to me. I'm just not going to act in such a way that it is. Yeah. And I think that is so discouraging for group leaders when they get that kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. um, Who won't just own up to the fact that, yeah, I'm flaky. And I probably shouldn't be part of this group. Yeah. Either you're in or you're out. But don't don't t- dip your toe in, dip your toe out. Once you don't slide, decide. Yeah, that's good. Now I think the easiest person for me to deceive is myself. Mm-hmm. And so in that situation, I I can I can rationalize, and I can say, well, I I am committed to the group, but I didn't know this circumstance would arise, or I didn't know this change in schedule would arise, or things like that. And it's because I insist on defining myself apart from my behavior. And, and I am what I do, really. Um, yeah. that's, that's who, that's the real me is what is my action. Yeah, we judge other people by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Exactly, yeah. Which is lying to ourselves. Exactly. Good, good. What do you think? Well, I, I came up with a number of ways I th- that have been helpful to me um, on this journey. I think one thing is treating people the way Jesus has treated me, Mm -hmm. Um, just to get down to what real, true love looks like, because it's the only way I have to tell I'm not using people for my own, for my own end. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think at John 13, 34 and 35, um, uh, where Jesus says, if you love one another as I've loved you, you will show people you're my disciples. And so I don't treat people the way they treat me, I don't treat people the way I want people to treat me because that motivation will eventually lead to, to manipulation and, and to self-centeredness. Huh. Rather, I, instead of reacting to people, I respond to how Jesus has treated me and treat people the way he has treated me. So he's both my example and my motivation. So the, the, the be, that's why Paul says, beloved, let us love one another. I mean, John says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And, and he, who, he who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who doesn't love doesn't know God. That God and our relationship with him is our motivation to love each other, not one another's behavior. So i gotta get right. that got to get that clear. This is between me and God. Uh, so that's one. I think another way to, for, to, for, for love to be more authentic is, is to lead with vulnerability. Um, I, I think um, rather than trying to impress people, uh, to focus on being kind and honest, and that means being honest about my failures and my struggles, um, and working hard not to give people a false impression, because we, I think that's the, the automatic reflex of my flesh is to try to impress people and to worry about what, what is this person thinking about me. And so by being vulnerable and, and leading with my weaknesses, leading with my failures, leading with, with my... I find that keeps me honest in these relationships. That one is, is so huge. And it's, it's ironic that in the age of authenticity, uh, how much people curate their lives, right? This is me being vulnerable on social media. And, and so often though, it's a highlight reel of their life. It's, it's the image that they want to convey. It's the role they want to play. It's the face they want to put on. And I think, uh, vulnerability is not being sort of like, (laughs) it's not emotionally vomiting on people all the time about everything. Um, uh, it's, it's being 
aware in conversations um, of when there's a struggle, uh, when there's a weakness of yours, being willing to readily admit that. Yeah. You know, when we talk about application and in Bible study, saying, "Yeah, I really, I really have struggled with this in my life, and here's how." Yeah. And um, and I would exhort you leaders to think really intentionally about how to um, leverage those moments in your groups to to lead in vulnerability. To say, "This is something I really, I really do struggle with, and yeah. this is hard for me." Yeah. And and here's what's hard for me right now. And um, here's what I'm anxious about. You yeah. know, here's here's where I'm lusting. Here's where I'm angry. Here's where I'm not trusting God. Here's where I'm distracted, um, because you set the temperature for the group yeah. in that. Yeah. And and if they don't see you doing that, they don't know that it's okay to do that. Yeah. And they will not do it. Yeah. You got to lead by example. You've got to lead by example, and it's counterintuitive because as the leader, you kind of assume, well, I'm supposed to have things figured out, and so will I look too spiritually immature? <laughs> If I start to confess these things, the reality is you're going to look spiritually mature because you see your need for the gospel yeah. and you, you have a sensitivity toward your own sin. And until you get to that point, the, the group is not going to feel bonded to each other. Exactly. There, there's there's got to be the truth and then the grace can come in so you can really experience the grace of God in your relationships for, with each other. Yeah. No, he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so if you lead with humility... Um, you never lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important. But one of the things that, that you said, I think that I, I think a lot of times the reason we're not vulnerable is because we're unaware. We're just not that tuned in to where we really are spiritually. And and I, I've been impressed as I've been reading through Proverbs again, how often reproof and wisdom are found together. That the wise loves those who reprove him. Mm-hmm. The wise listens to reproof. That, that that whole thing of being willing to see where I'm failing, where I'm falling short, where I'm mistaking, and just to be very aware of that. And I find the most spiritual people are the most self-critical people in the sense mm-hmm. that they, they're very aware of uh, where they're being tempted, where they're failing, where they're no longer. But a lot of people just seem to be oblivious to what they, who they really are and what they're really doing. And so when they're, you know, they're searching their minds. Well, what can I be vulnerable about today? Well, if you have to search your mind about where, what you've failed in lately, you're just, you're not listening to reproof, the reproof of the Lord. So I would... Yeah, you're, you're not, I mean, there's two ways God reproves us, I think, basically, right? It's through his word and through his people. Yeah, yeah. Along with vulnerability, I think what I'm, th- and I've, I have not done this very well, I'm trying to learn how to do it, is to ask for help when I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really builds authentic community because it shows that I'm not the self-sufficient one who is here to help everybody, but I need help too. And I find that when I ask for help, um, it breaks down barriers that other things will not. I just think of Jesus in the garden as he's facing the biggest temptation of his life, and he asks his three buddies, come and please pray with me, you know. And uh, it's just a, it's a great scene. So, so yeah. I think asking for help uh, regularly um, is another way to lead with vulnerability. Yeah, and as a leader especially, I'm not the one with all the answers that I see my need for you. Exactly. And so, you know, hey, guys, I'm stuck here in life, and I've got this hard decision. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> what, what would the word say? 
uh, to speak into this yeah. or just, um, Hey, can you pray for me about this? Or, Hey, I'm moving. Can you help me? Or, Hey, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to do it. Um, or my wife wants me to hang a mirror and I will botch it. Can you come help me? <laughs> exactly. you, this, you know how to do this. I don't. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff is, is so healthy for, yeah. for building community because yeah. people really start to feel needed. Yeah. Cause they are. <laughs> Cause they actually are. Yeah. You're not just faking it. Yeah. So no, yeah. it's good. Uh, a couple more, and, and then I'm, I, I played out. But one thing, another thing I was thinking about in terms of authentic love is to be generous uh, with praise and encouragement. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 15.4 talks about a soothing tongue is a tree of life. And, and I find that when you exude positivity, mm-hmm. um, um, I think of Kathy Greer is a great example of that. Um, you're always looking for something to praise. You're always looking for something to encourage. That lowers the defenses of everybody yep. there. And it's, it's really a really a healthy, helpful thing. Yeah, and we'll talk about that more when we talk about honoring each other. Yeah. But um, I, real quick, I would just say it's got to be specific, and it's yeah. got to be, and it's got to be, um, you know, rooted in something you see that's Christ-like in them. Otherwise, it, it, can, it can come across as flattery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's good. What's your other one? You got a last one. Oh, the last one, and, and we'll probably talk about this, but I think just being honest in your corrections. Um, Proverbs twenty-seven six: the faithful are the wounds of a friend, yeah. and and so to have authentic love, it means you speak the truth. And there's times so the truth is is encouraging. There's times the truth is corrective. But if 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 you are a person that people just know. He will, I never have to wonder what he's thinking. He will always tell me, I don't have to wonder, well, is there some problem between us? Right. Because I know that he is always open with things. And if there's a problem, he's going to tell me, he's going to come to me about it. Yeah. So it, it, it just, it breeds such an atmosphere of trust and unity. Yeah. Not having to wonder where people, where you stand with people is such a freeing thing. Yeah. Yeah. And conversely, wondering is paralyzing. Yeah. Just, there's something about this person. They just, they're not being fully transparent with me yeah. about what they think. Yeah. Um, now, it's a good reminder. It's convicting because I, I think it's particularly convicting for Christian leaders because there's always a temptation to put on a face, to be more diplomatic with what you say than forthright. Yeah. Uh, to, to worry too much about the effect of what you say rather than really trying to speak plaintively and, 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 out of your convictions. Yeah. Um, and because you get hurt, you get hurt by people and it's, it's easy to put the shield up. And, yeah. uh, I just think of that CS Lewis quote about, um, never loving anything is the way to, uh, ensure that your heart never breaks. And then what happens is the worst thing of all that your heart becomes unbreakable. Yeah. It, great. It, it's, it's, it's that it closes up so much that, that, that you can never love again you can never connect with anyone again. And there yeah. are people out there like that in the church where they've just been hurt and they've made that decision to be calculating and shallow in all of their relationships. And then they wonder why they're so lonely and miserable. And so yeah. I would just say um, that um, genuine love is hard. You're going to get hurt. And that's why Jesus has to be the motivator here because yeah. no one has been hurt more by the church than Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one. Yeah. Uh, and yet no one loves the church more than Jesus. Exactly. And so for Christ's sake, I'll keep loving people. That's good. And I think for pastors, if, if, if any pastors happen to cross this podcast. The it, thousands listening right yes, now. Yes, the thousands. Yeah. The thousands of it is, it, we take the responsibility to build the church ourselves rather than leaving it on Jesus. Amen. And so we are afraid that we will say something that will cause people to leave our church. 
and go find another church. And in doing that, we are shirking our responsibility to shepherd the sheep and to make disciples because we're unwilling to say that the difficult things, the hard things, because of our own selfish desire to have a bigger church. Yeah. And uh, so I think that authenticity has to start with, with, with pastoral leaders. Yeah. Now I agree. And now I'm convicted. And so we're going to end the episode. (laughs) But that's a good word. Good reminder to to speak the truth in love, to be honest, to not speak lies, but speak truth to each other. All those admonitions in Ephesians 4 about being forthright, um, full of grace and truth, just like Jesus Christ. So this is good. Looking forward to talking about it more. And uh, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Jeff. All right. And thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you again soon.